was really creating an architecture for the modern industrial era and the way people lived with um, with with trains, with cars, with planes, with movies, um, uh, with the increased population, with new technology, and uh, any number of social movements which would spread the um, uh, at its best spread the advantages of um, of modern life to more and more people. Welcome to the Mid-Century Books podcast. I'm your host, Heather Barrow. I'm the resident curator with midcenturybooks.net. And I'm here today with author Alan Hess, who's one of the contributors to the, to the book, Michigan Modern, Design That Shaped America, a recent release with the publisher, Gibbs Smith. Alan Hess is an architect and a historian he is the author of 19 books on modern architecture and urbanism in the mid-20th century. His books focus on topics such as Palm Springs, Las Vegas, and the Ranch House. He has personally been involved with preserving several mid-century modernist buildings, including the nation's oldest McDonald's stand. He is a contributor to the Architects newspaper. He is a grant recipient from the Graham Foundation and he is also a National Arts Journalism Program Fellow. So welcome, Alan Hess, to today's program. Good, glad to be with you, and especially to talk about uh, this subject of Michigan modernism. Some of the people in our audience might be experts in this area, but some of them may be complete newcomers. And I was wondering if you could help them understand and appreciate what is mid-century modernism, if you had to define it. What would you say it's all about? Well, um, the term mid-century modernism has really only come into being in the past, I don't know, 10 or 20 years or so at least. Um, mid-century modernism refers to the mid-20th century, uh, roughly you know, the 1930s through the 1970s. But that is just part of the ongoing story of modern architecture, which really stretches at least as far back as the um, post-Civil War period here in America. Um, and it all has to do with creating an architecture which was not dependent upon history, not dependent upon the classical styles or Gothic styles or Tudor styles, but was really creating an architecture for the modern industrial era and the way people lived with um, with with trains, with cars, with planes, with movies, um, uh, with the increased population, with new technology, and uh, any number of social movements which would spread the um, uh, at its best spread the advantages of um, of modern life to more and more people. Um, so it, that, that trend of modern architecture has been going on for quite a while, but especially in the mid-20th century, uh, after World War II, after the Great Depression, uh, here in America there was um, uh, suddenly um, an economic recovery, uh, a great era of prosperity, 
which matched a great leap forward in new technologies and the economic uh, uh, advantages along with the new technology really created a, a, um, an extraordinary chapter in the history of modern architecture. Uh, and that's what we're basically going to be talking about. So it sounds like it's a long-term trend that really is reaching its peak by the mid-20th century when you have, like you said, an expanding economy, new um, space-age technologies or technologies that were developed during wartime, new materials that had never existed before, um, a, a rising population of people who uh, wanted to have new kinds of, of uh, design at their fingertips. Uh, and uh, so it's also coming together with really uh, a, a new kind of artistic uh, mentality and just an intellectual desire on the part of these designers to, to express themselves. Can you make a segue from that to what was the relationship of the state of Michigan to this particular movement? What was the special contribution of Michigan to mid-century modernism in America? Yes, yes. Um, well, in my opinion, Michigan really was the heart of mo the modern era. Um, now, in saying that, I need to kind of give a bit of background because often the story is told that modern architecture was born in Europe, um, specifically around 1919 when the Bauhaus was begun, a, a new school for art, architecture, design, etc., cetera, uh, founded by Walter Gropius, a great name in modern architecture. Um, and certainly the Bauhaus was important, but really more important is what was going on in Michigan uh, at that time and earlier. Uh, and that, of course, is the automobile. Uh, the automobile is one of the major technological advances of the 20th century. And as it turned out, Michigan, Detroit uh, was the center of that. Now, that's important for a number of different ways. And it kind of sets the scene for why all of this great architecture came out of Michigan. Um, because not only was it the technological advance, technological advances like Henry Ford's application of the assembly line, uh, where suddenly an automobile, automobiles had been invented before Henry Ford, but what Henry Ford did was make it affordable to the average person by using the assembly line. He cut costs, he maximized efficiencies, and really, it's often said, and it's true, Henry Ford put America on wheels. Now, what's that mean? That means that the average person, uh, a worker in one of his factories or any other factory, was able to afford an automobile. They didn't have to have a horse and carriage. They didn't have to feed a horse. They had this amazing new technology of the automobile at their beck and call. And it just revolutionized the way people lived, the way people traveled, the way that people thought about themselves. So 
that is part of why Michigan is so important uh, because of the automobile and the new technology and the wealth that that brought. But in my mind, it's even it's even more than that. It is that fact that the average person could now participate in this modern world and this modern life. It was affordable to them. So, you know, in my mind, you know, one of the most modern images that you can conjure up is the picture of a, a Model A Ford parked in front of a, a single family home, a ranch house uh, somewhere in the Detroit suburbs. Um, the, the Detroit suburbs that now the average worker could get to because they had a car. They didn't have to live in the center city, the, the, the crowded, congested, often polluted center city. Uh, they didn't have to live near their factory with all of its pollution. They could live out more on, on the, uh, the, the, the margins of the city, out where there was open space, even countryside at that time. So all of these things just show exactly you know, what a revolution this was and why Michigan is so important. I mentioned before the Bauhaus, um, which is an important phase in the development of modern architecture, but it never spread its, uh, its, its ideas, its concepts, its, its artifacts so widely, so democratically, as Michigan did with the automobile and everything that came. Of course, Michigan wasn't uh, just a powerhouse of automotive design, but also of architectural design and furniture design as well. All of these things you know, developed so that the average person could afford it. And as I said, participate in this modern life um, at an affordable price and with the advantages of well-designed modern artifacts, furniture, cars, houses, office places, schools, restaurants, shopping centers, you name it. Um, and it all came out of um, this economic wonder and technological wonder that, uh, that Michigan developed around the automobile in the first part of the 20th century. So just to amplify what you're saying a bit, it sounds like mid-century modernism was a type of design movement where the intention was to create a new uh, living environment where everything is designed. It could be the architecture that you could let you live in. It could be the car that you drive to work. It could be the clothes that you wear, it could be the uh, the silverware that you use when you're eating your meal. It's really attempting to uh, create something that's maybe more um, holistic than what has existed before. It sounds like it's a combination of that there was an intention there on the part of the designers to create a world that was entirely mid-century modern, but you combine that with a setting like Michigan where there's an expanding economy, there's new technologies, 
there's breakthroughs in the types of materials available, there's breakthroughs in terms of mass production, and so there's that ability to implement this intention. Can you talk about that a little bit more, that this is just a, uh, a total environment of design that people were going to be living in in the future? Yes, it, um, uh, again, you know, you can compare it to other centuries. You know, the, uh, the average person in previous centuries um, had to live, you know, in, in, in center cities. Uh, they didn't have the advantages often of electricity or telephones or mobility uh, as well. They, they couldn't travel very far. Um, they had to live near their work and ride, perhaps if they were fortunate, uh, um, uh, train lines, cable cars, etc., to get to their work. Um, all of this changed with the advent of the automobile and all of its um, uh, relative, re relevant um, uh, aspects as well. Um, the average person could enjoy this. And it went down to, you can see any number of examples, but it went down to the household appliances in their house in the suburbs, uh, toasters, refrigerators, washing machines. All of this was part of this modern revolution that improved the lives of the average person. Now, it wasn't just an aesthetic change. It was a very real change in the quality of life for the average person. But it also did have this aesthetic aspect to it. Uh, these objects of modernity, whether it was uh, uh, buildings or cars or furniture, all expressed the kind of the wonder and the excitement and the reality of modern technology uh, as well. So they were sleek. They were out of new materials like plastics, for example. Uh, they didn't look like anything your grandmother or great-grandmother had in their house. It was part of a new life, a new era. And so in all of these ways, the average person uh, enjoyed uh, what this modern world was all about in the way it looked, as well as in the way that it functioned. So just to sum up a little bit what you said, it sounds like these things that were being designed with this mid-century modern intention were more beautiful, perhaps more functional, but also more affordable than um, what had existed in previous uh, design movements. Uh, you mentioned um, the Bauhaus in Europe and this debunking this perception that mid-century modernism really originated there. I think your point is that it may have originated there, but it wasn't realized there. It wasn't implemented there. It did not become widespread. It was more of an academic exercise. And you have created a contrast between Europe and America. But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about differences within America. Uh, getting back to the question about why Michigan? How would you, for example, compare Michigan and California with the rise of mid-century modernism? 
Yeah. Well, um, just to add one note there, uh, modernism wasn't even born in Europe and the Bauhaus. Uh, it really was born in America uh, after the Civil War um, when new industries, railroads, uh, and, and other um, new technology of that period <clears throat> were, um, were first applied on a large-scale basis. And you really have to see the, the trend here um, of, of, of American modernism giving birth to modernism. Uh, later influencing Europe, but it really began here. Philadelphia, after the Civil War, was really the Silicon Valley of its era. Uh, it wasn't, you know, intellectual like Boston. It wasn't mercantile like New York. It was Benjamin Franklin's inventive America. Throw out the past, be practical, invent new things and do it with a, you know, functionality, a, 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 a relevance uh, that had rarely been seen before and was rarely possible in world history before, um, uh, simply because of this new technology that they could now exploit. Well, from Philadelphia, it then moved modern, these modern ideas and modern artifacts and modern architecture moved to Chicago and the invention of the skyscraper. And this was like in the 1880s, 1890s as well, using steel and glass to rise into the sky and to create a whole new skyline for American cities. Just absolutely extraordinary. Um, it then moves on to Detroit. And this is about the same time, 1890s, around 1900, with the uh, evolution of the automobile. Um, and you have people like um, Albert Kahn, great architect and engineer, who designed these new factories for the automobile companies. And again, he was not, um, you know, he, he was not using or, or committed to any traditional architecture. He was creating these factories to be purely functional tools for the efficient delivery of these automobiles. And so they were concrete frame or they were steel frame and they had glass because you needed light, natural light for the workers to uh, work by. Um, they were horizontal uh, in order to, um, to respond to the uh, assembly line development uh, or assembly of the car. Um, so there were all of these elements, a spirit of doing something new for the sake of practicality and function. And this is what you see in, um, in the early, um, both the early factories and the skyscrapers of Detroit in the teens, in the 20s of the 20th century. Um, but then, of course, the popularity of the automobile spreads all across the country, but in particular to California. And by the 1920s, Los Angeles in particular <clears throat> is growing as a city and it is has a higher per capita ownership of automobiles uh, than any other city. And uh, everybody is noticing this. Architects are, are noticing this. Uh, business people are noticing this. So that, for example, if you have a, a restaurant 
uh, serving, you know, hamburgers, barbecue, chicken. Um, you weren't going to stay in the center city. You were going to be out on the commercial strips, these new broad boulevards that were tying together the broad Los Angeles metropolitan area. And you would build your building out there to attract people who were driving by in the automobile. That had all sorts of ramifications for architecture. Uh, the signage, the imagery, the scale of the architecture all had to respond to the automobile rather than to the pedestrian. Uh, that created a whole new, and uh, Los Angeles, of course, had a much uh, more benign weather <laughs> than Michigan did. So many of these modern architectural ideas, uh, many of which began in Michigan, uh, had more freedom once they arrived in uh, Los Angeles uh, with its large population, with its prosperity, and especially with its wonderful climate. So it, it, it's interesting. I, I mentioned before, again, the European Bauhaus, uh, which is given credit, uh, improperly so, because as I said at the beginning, the real heart and soul of modernism was in this axis between Detroit and Los Angeles, where the cars were created, the cars were designed in response to what people wanted, and then in, in response to the way that they lived as well. And this created an incredibly innovative era uh, in modern architecture uh, of, of all sorts of buildings. It, it really is that that I just real the real story of modern architecture as modern technology is spread to the advantage of the average person um, in those cities and then beyond.